Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined as always by Dave and Becky. On today's show, we've got some real, actual hockey games to discuss, as the Rangers are off and running in the 2021-22 season, but not without more off-ice drama to deal with. We will get to the Vitaly Kravtsov situation later, but first, guys, what did we just witness? That game between the Rangers and Leafs, we waited to record this uh, podcast until the game ended. Really glad we did. Uh, Becky, you go first. What was your kind of hot take coming out of a thrilling 2-1 to one overtime victory over, over the Toronto Maple Leafs? It just makes me re-up my request to ban the shootout, extend 3-on-3 three three to 10 minutes, and let the carnage ensue. And, you know, if you don't have a winner after 10 minutes, then you have a tie. But, like, uh, it's so awesome. Like, 3-on-3 three three hockey is so awesome. The Rangers truly had no business, like, winning that game, although they did wake up a little bit in the third period. Um, but, oh, my God, I love 3-on-3 three three hockey so much. It's just so exciting. <laughs> that was the most exciting hockey I've watched in, like, five years. Maybe, like, three years, but still. Uh, it, that just slapped. And, by the way, just... I've been, uh, like, really asking for Zvanajad and Panarin to be on the same line. And I completely understand the reasons why you wouldn't put them together, especially when you have, um, like, Strom and Kako are out now. So I get it. Like, you don't want to put all of your power on one line. Fine. I get it. But they are magic when they are together. I mean, there was a play. There was a non-goal, but it was, you know, a little passing play from Zbanejad to Panarin. He took a shot and I like, or I'm sorry, it was Panarin to Zbanejad took a shot and it was beautiful. Zbanejad just had to elevate a little bit more, which is like obviously very easy to say, but not very easy to do when you're on the rush. But they're just like, I just feel like they're like, they could be true magic together. And oh, I just, I want it. And if it came back to bite me in the ass then fine but like I just want like two or three games of it that's all I want well Dave and I mean it speaks to the wider issue right of this game with uh the Rangers missing two third two you know one third of their top six probably not a bad idea to put uh Zibanejad and Panarin together by Gallant do you agree not a bad idea uh I mean I'm just gonna say OT should be continuous three on three until somebody wins. I don't even want to tie. Just keep letting You're them right. go. Oh, just You're let right. them go. It You're was absolutely amazing. right. Absolutely amazing. Um, when you're shorthanded like that, I don't know what the stats say, whether or not you should stack your top line. But, I mean, you got Barclay Goodrow, who is not a top six player, playing right wing with one of the best players in the game. And Panarin was really bad until. The third period, uh, middle of the third period. This might yeah, have been his awful. worst was game as a Ranger. He was awful, absolutely awful. And then he goes and scores the winner and makes me eat my words, which I'm happy with. But it's at some point, if you're not getting any offense up and down the lineup, you kind of have to change things up. And I like that Gallant did that instead of doing what David Quinn would do, which is you know do the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different result. So, yeah, well, he demote a young player. That's usually what he would do in those situations. He would he would yeah. he would bring a Gautier up at, at the expense of Lafreniere or something like that. So, yeah, yeah totally basically. agree on that. Uh, I had something I was going to say, but I'm on like an hour and a half of sleep. 
Um, oh, crap. What the hell was you I going to say? You got a pass today. Yeah. I, I yeah. Forgot, I forgot what the hell I was going to say. Well, I mean, you know, just looking at the the, the whole of this game, it, it was it was an interesting one because the Rangers, you know, clearly shorthanded, tried to play it safe and did a pretty good job of that in the first period and even the first five minutes. Henrik Lundqvist, again, really good on the MSG broadcast, by the way. He's a natural on TV. I think we'll be seeing a lot of him, not only on MSG, but maybe on, you know, national TV sometime in the future if he wants to do it, of course. But um you know, they played it safe. They were pretty effective. They limited Toronto to one high danger scoring chance at five on five in the first period. And then all hell broke loose. They got, you know, Toronto started breaking them down. I've also noticed this year, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way. This is totally anecdotal. But whenever the Rangers take a penalty, they, they take a long time to recover from being shorthanded. You know, obviously, momentum is naturally going to change. You know, you're down a man. The puck's going to be in your end. But you know, even if they successfully kill the penalty, it seems like the next four, five, six shifts are an absolute nightmare. And they're running around their own end and they can't get out. They can't reestablish themselves in the game. So that's just something to look for and, and, and see if that continues to be a trend. But the Leafs got a power play in the second and then literally, I don't think the Rangers touched the puck. It really kind of looked like, you know, the Leafs were playing against a college team for most of the second period. And that left a sour taste, certainly in my mouth. I was pretty uh, disappointed uh, with the Rangers in the second period, but they did put it back together enough in the third to keep it competitive. They didn't ask Igor to totally stand on his head. I mean, he was freaking unbelievable tonight. And it's it ends up being a great kind of gritty early season win when you have injuries. And I think, you know what, very little to complain about there for me. Um, Dave, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that leads you back to what you were going to say, but maybe something about Igor because he was clearly the first star of <laughs> the mean, game tonight. I mean, we're so spoiled. We are so yeah. spoiled oh my God, that we, we are went spoiled. from Henrik, essentially went from Henrik to, to Igor. We're we're spoiled. Don't forget that one year where they thought Georgiev was going to be good. And they <laughs> still signed him to a contract. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, it actually did remind me. First, uh, I'm pretty sure Lundqvist is going to go to Shesterkin at some point tonight after the game and just say, I told you so. I mean, that, that was the <laughs> right. first. That was his first experience with the true Rangers defense, and he was exceptional. Uh, but what I was going to say was the Rangers getting absolutely crushed is not a surprise. They were missing two of their top six. They're a team with a lot of turnover. They're a team with a new coach and learning new systems. I don't know how many people remember the 2013, October 2013 when the Rangers traveled out west. They got absolutely destroyed, 9-2 and 6-0. And I remember this vividly because I was writing the goal breakdowns and I just put up the shrug emoji for a couple of them. <laughs> that, that's like my favorite story ever. Is I was in Italy and like by the time that I woke up, because I was on a tour, by the time I woke up, which was early, the game was like either just ending or like had ended within the past hour. And I was like... Well, guess I missed nothing and like put my phone on. I was like gonna go to Italy today, like whatever city we're in today. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm just picturing Becky waking up, going checking her phone, going, Oh, okay. And then yeah. sipping her coffee. Nine two. Like Kermit the like, Frog. Like six seven AM Italy time. It's like nine out minus nine hours. So whatever that's like now right, ten o'clock on in on the West Coast and it yeah. could just end it. And I'm just like, oh, Baron's retiring? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's something that this team isn't going to have happen. They're not going to have their backup goalie dinked into retirement with a new coach. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're already no. better in that regard. So what I was getting at was this is expected. They need a month or two to get to what they should be. And if we're still playing like this in after, uh, if they're still playing this in Thanksgiving, then yeah, we can be concerned. But right now, hey, we got two points. Yay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I and also, and that kind of leads, yeah, it leads into just, you know, the next thing we were going to talk about here, which is just overall impressions of the team through four games. And I think, you know, you kind of laid it out from a, you know, a high level there, Dave, you know, with they're learning a new system, new coach, a lot of new players. To me, at least, it hasn't been that bad. The Washington game was, you know, that sucked, but it was also, as Gerard Gallant pointed out in the post-game press conference after their opener in Washington, the Caps had five or six shots on goal through half the game, through 33, 35 minutes of hockey. And again, they were undone by penalties. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing I keep coming back to is the penalty kill did not get off to a good start. It's been better, largely due to the goaltender, but they seem to lose their momentum as soon as they take a penalty. And that... Look, that's hockey. You're going to take penalties, whether you're overly aggressive or you do have to do a little bit, bit of defending and you take a hooking or a tripping or a holding penalty. You can't take a penalty and then get pinned in your own end for 10 minutes. And that's something I want to see this team improve upon. I think the other big impression that I've taken away from four games, and then I'll, I'll get your thoughts, Becky, is so far, you know, Mika Zibanejad's found his game in the last two, two and a half games here. But and Chris Kreider's had a good start. Other than that, offensive, you know, sort of chance creation looks like it's a little bit of a problem. Team defense hasn't been awful. They've gotten a decent amount of uh, shot attempt volume. You know, they've kind of been even or a little bit ahead in kind of the Corsi battle most games, but they're not getting a lot of grade A chances. And and I don't know if that's something that's going to come as they get more comfortable. But uh, it was a problem last year, too, even with all the skill before they turned the roster over and, and brought in some more, you know, grit and, and bottom six support uh, and focused on that area of the team. You know, this team seems to have a little bit of trouble creating offense, but maybe that's just a matter of Panarin getting going. I'm not sure. But, you know, Becky, what are your thoughts, you know, four games into this very young hockey season? So it's an interesting one because, like, you know, we've already alluded to, and I think we talk about it a lot, that it's Galan's first season. It's the beginning of this new era of Rangers hockey. We have six alternate captains. So, you know, we're really just getting used to what's going on here. Um, It's also so hard because, you know, Strom has been a pretty polarizing player for the last, I don't even know how many years he's been on the team at this point. But... I think we have to face the fact that, like, he might actually be pretty good. Um, I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's, like, untouchable or anything like that. But he's productive. Um, And he has COVID. And it came out after, what, the first, the second game, right? So they're the home opener. And you could tell he kind of looked out of it, at least on the home opener, um, like physically he looked out of it. And so I feel like it it it's hard to say because he's one of your playmakers. And whatever, you know, Panarin is an elite player and he did look kind of not great tonight, kind of not great so far this season, but he kind of turned it on in the end of the third period. And I'm not worried about him. Like I will not worry about Artemi Panarin. He is Artemi Panarin. But I do wonder if it has an effect that Strom's 
you know, if he was maybe, maybe he had COVID the first game and he didn't, you know, I mean, it was, there was one night between the two. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he had COVID the, the second game or whatever. And like, just having that partner that you've been with for however long and then like he's not playing well because he's sick and then you're not playing well because you're not used to not playing with him or whatever. And I'm, I'm sitting here spiraling into making excuses, but I think the point I'm trying to make is it's four games in. I don't think they're going to be offensively challenged the whole year. I also want to reserve my judgment until they're more healthy because we expect that Strom at least is going to be back. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think, you know, Kako had had a really good first couple of games. Obviously hadn't gotten on the score sheet yet, but, um, you know, I, I think he's he's still a key player, and they're looking for him to be a key contributor this year. Um, Strom's a massive part of this team. Whether or not that's for a long term or not is up for debate, but absolutely, right now, he's the unquestioned, you know, second-line center. The other thing I'll say is, and I really like the kid, and, and I don't, want this to be misconstrued by, you know, the people that I battle with in my Twitter mentions. Um, so far, Philip Heedle has not stepped up too um, noticeably in his, um, you know, given opportunity here to, to be a top six center. Um, I don't know what that's down to, um, but he has not grabbed the bull by the horns. And I don't know if you're seeing anything differently from me, Dave, but really ineffective tonight, not very noticeable uh, the other night uh, in Montreal either. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Heedle or the rest of the lineup here, you know, given that we've kind of covered the top six. I mean, you know, what are our, your impressions of, of Heedle and the rest of the bottom six and, and how that's going so far? The bottom six needs work. And you're right, Heedle has not looked good. But my question is, and unfortunately this is going to stoke the Goudreau haters, is whether or not... Goudreau is the right fit for him there and whether or not Sammy Blay is the right fit for him. Should he be the pivot between those two guys and that doesn't really fit his style of play? Heedle likes... And I'm not going to use today as as a barometer for Heedle in the top six because the entire team looked like crap. So to single out Heedle in his first true game... uh, Second game, sorry, in the top six, that's not fair. But you're right, he hasn't looked good overall over four games. But I don't know if that third line is going to be the offensive threat we were hoping... And, yeah, I know Buchnevich, Kravtsov. If I hear that in my mentions one more... If I hear Buchnevich in my mentions one more time, I'm going to throw something. I'm going to mute it soon because it's just... We're already four games in saying, well, we should have kept Buchnevich. And it's just... Maybe they are going to go out and get an actual scoring winger to play on that line. I don't think Sammy Blay is going to last on the third line much longer. And I don't think Dryden Hunt is going to be a regular in the lineup. Although him playing on the power play is concerning. There's work to be done, and they're not healthy. Yeah. So we, we, can't, we can't judge after four games, especially when they're missing a third of their top six. I'm not concerned yet, but there are things to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no way that 
like with any team in any phase of of their development, there's no way that this is the lineup in March and April when they're kind of making hopefully what we think is a playoff push or, you know, heaven, you know, uh, God willing, they're they're preparing for playoff games. You know, Dryden Hump might be one of those guys that we laugh about in a couple of years. Be like, oh, remember him? He played 20 games that one year. Um, he looks like a decent grinder, not much more than that to me. That's clearly why they favored him on the fourth line and favored him in the lineup over Gautier, who, you know, to me, I was saying to Becky before, you know, we jumped on the on the mics here to record, who seems to me like a guy without a role on this team. And it's a team that's emphasized, you know, defined roles in, in, in you know, over the course of the last few months as they've, you know, transitioned into this non-rebuilding, you know, playoff push era, whatever we want to call it. Um, Gautier is what is he is he a offensive player is he a grinder he's definitely not a checker um, he's not the smartest player but he's extremely physically gifted so so he to me seems like he seems like the 13th forward I mean that's kind of the, the role he seems to be filling here on this team because he doesn't really have a defined role otherwise unless you want to go for a hyper offensive third line in which case you're right Dave Goodrow is not really a fit there at all because he doesn't have much offense to his game um, I mean, look, the other the, the other uh, portion of the team that we haven't really talked much about is the defense. You know, any thoughts so far, Becky, on I mean, we can obviously sing Adam Fox's praises if you want to go that direction. But I was going to ask more about, you know, Niels Lundqvist and what we've seen from him. But I'll, I'll let you run with uh, any thoughts you have on the on the defense so far. I'm still not over how Niels looks like he's a literal child. <laughs> yeah. It's not over. He's it. really like, tiny. He's so teeny tiny. Um, I'm not gonna. He's really also five eleven. He's my height. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think he's five eleven. Yeah, I think they're generous in that listing. I don't think he's five eleven, and he they say he's like one ninety, and I don't think he's one ninety. Um, and like I'm basing this off of just having like good tickets and like being really close to the ice. Um, obviously, I wasn't like I'm just, uh, whatever. I'm just saying I don't think he's five eleven. I don't think he's one ninety. Um, I think. I love that he shoots the puck. It's it like brings a big smile to my face. I don't know which I think it was the Montreal game that he was just like going buck wild on like the power play. It was just like shoot, 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 shoot. I loved it. Um, I think he's gifted. I think he needs some time to like, settle into the NHL, which is it's his fourth or third game in the NHL. Like let's let the kid settle in um, before we make sweeping generalizations about him. When I saw him. When I was at the game, I, I was at the home opener, and he, well, obviously, because that's the only home game, but he looked, you know, super nervous, which, I mean, yeah, understandable. I can understand why you would be really nervous your first NHL game. Um, but I think on the defense, other than Fox is, like, so gifted, and we are so lucky, and we better lock him up, is that I think Ryan Lindgren has looked really solid. Like, he's, I guess, a veteran now, and I just, he just looks so solid. He just, I just love him. I just hope that, you know, I, I, I don't know his contract off the top of my head, and I really don't want to be typing right now on while recording, but I hope that he's compensated and, you know, at least part of the next, like, couple of years. I'm not saying, like, give him, like, a seven-year extension, but I just, three years, he's, three I think he's a good part yeah, he, he is on yeah. a contract. Yeah, three he's years, used here for at least three more years. That's yeah. perfect. I think he's just, he's like, he's become like, I feel like the 2021 version of like what a stay-at-home defenseman was in like 2010, you know? Like, yes. 
like more offensively gifted. They're quicker now. They're not necessarily these like big like six four two thirty whatever. But like he's he's reliable. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think he's been excellent this season, and he was he was very steady tonight in a game where in the Toronto game we keep saying tonight. Obviously, people will be listening to this uh, on on Tuesday morning. Or, or later in the week, you know, but in this Toronto game, he, he was one of their steadier, calmer Rangers. I thought him and Zabanajad obviously had a, had a really good game productively, but also, you know, with the puck, um, horrible in the face-off dots, which will which will be a uh, an issue all year for this team. I don't think we need to harp on it, not at least not on this podcast, but totally agree with you on, on Lindgren. Um, Becky, Dave, any any you know other thoughts from you on the uh, on the team overall so far that you want to throw out there? Good process breeds good results, and I'm focusing solely on even strength here. The Toronto game aside, the Rangers have looked good overall at even strength. They're mm-hmm. much more consistent on the forecheck. They're getting at least one man in deep with two guys at the tops of the circles pressuring. They have pressure in the neutral zone, limiting speed through. They're stepping up at the blue line. These are all things that we beat to death last year. And that will eventually lead to good results. We are unfortunately getting some small sample size issues with, you know, the Washington game where the Rangers took a thousand penalties. Uh, Well, I mean, they've taken Mm -hmm. a thousand penalties in general right now. And then this Toronto game, we only really have a game and a half or two games where they look like a good team and they also haven't been healthy. So as a team, they look fine. The system is there. It's going to take time. Yeah. And the rest will work itself out. I'm not concerned other than stop taking penalties. Oh, my God. Yeah, stay stay been, out of the freaking... I, I, I'm going to throw something at a TV soon. Just stop <laughs> taking penalties. And if every time Goodrow takes a penalty, I see 14 screenshots of how his... All his stat projections say penalties were an issue. I get it. Maybe this is yeah. what I sound like to you guys. I get it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's a good point, and that's you know going to be something to watch, along with, as I was saying earlier, kind of how they come out of the penalty kill, how good the penalty kill is, all that stuff. I mean, my last thought on this, and then we'll move on, is they definitely play a simpler, more straightforward brand of hockey. Um you know, there there is a lot more of the, you know, Western Conference style, I think, which is a little bit more dump and chase and chip and chase, but they're quick to recover because they hit, honestly, and they hit effectively, and they have some quick guys up front. And then it's just get it back to the point and shoot from the point. You know, they have Fox who can make plays from up there uh, when uh, maybe Keandre Miller's up there. He's obviously got a great shot. So they can create plenty of offense off of that, but that's what Gallant wants them to do. And, you know, if you ever listen to his post game. He's very matter-of-fact. He's very plain-spoken. He just wants them to play simple, straightforward hockey. And I think that's what, uh, if they are successful this year, that's what it's going to look like. It's it's probably going to be a lot of deflection goals, rebound goals, you know, maybe some backdoor stuff off of a broken play. Um, and that's different from what the Rangers have been the last 10 years. You know, they've been much more of a finesse, you know, tic-tac-toe type of team. And I don't think that's what they are going to be under Gallant, and that's fine. Um, if you own the puck and if you generate offense off the forecheck the way that you know you were kind of describing, Dave, then I think that that's just fine. 
And I think it will be effective, um, especially as you get later and later into the year. Um, all right, let's move on to the Vitaly Kravtsov situation because we, we have to talk about it. We literally published this podcast a week ago and it was up for about six hours. And then we learned that Vitaly Kravtsov um, refused his assignment to the American Hockey League. He's since left the United States altogether and gone back to Russia. Um, the Rangers have given him uh, permission to seek a trade. And there's been all sorts of debate about whose fault this is. You know, some people saying that it's a clear, um, you know, pattern that the Rangers have mishandled now to top 10 picks. Obviously, there's plenty of people on the sort of blame the Tally Kravtsov side. Um, I don't necessarily think we need to, or I don't want to ask either of you guys to pick a side, but, you know, just give me, um, give me your thoughts on the situation. I'll start with you, Becky, just, you know, where does this leave the Rangers right now? Because yeah, I mean, look, it's no matter which way you slice it, they are, you know, missing some pieces, especially on right wing, even beyond the, uh, Capococco injury, you know, what's the effect here and and you know like I said where does this leave the team um I think I'm just so sick of talking about it it's the same with Buchnevich whom I adore and hope that he goes on to have a wonderful career and like will peruse Blues games to watch but I just I'm so sick of talking about it um I think it's a bad look for everyone I don't think there's like a very clear blame game and I really don't want to play it but like I think if you're of the thought of the mindset that um you know either side is completely wrong I I just disagree I don't think that anything's that black and white I find it interesting that he went back to Russia and I think the main thing I just want to say about this whole thing is that I I don't know why people are acting as if they wouldn't be bitching their faces off if Kravtsov was called up as the right wing, like if he were, if he were sent down to the AHL, he accepted his conditioning stint or whatever, and then Capo Kako got hurt, and they called him up. Like, you really think people wouldn't be complaining? And they'd be complaining about something else. Oh, like Kravtsov's right. not getting the right. He should be in the top six. Why? What have you seen that has shown you that he should be in the top six? You know what I mean? Like. Like, I think people get this grandiose idea of what they think someone is going to be or should be. And that goes both ways. That that That's like the, you know, you think, oh, we got Ryan Reeves and he's ass. And so, you know, like every time he does something wrong, you're like, look, he did this wrong. And you're you're refusing to look at the good things. And it's kind of the same way, I think, with Kravtsov. Like, for whatever reason, he has people who feel a very strong way about him and there might be some data behind it and there might not be and I don't really care and all I'm gonna say is like Leah Sanderson I don't really care about him I don't think about him at all same thing with Vitaly Kravtsov if somehow it works out and he winds up to be a great ranger that's wonderful and I hope that that happens but like I also am not gonna think about him and like lose sleep about it and like neither should you people listening to this (laughs) Dave, where what do you want to say about the Kravtsov situation? I think we set a record for how quickly we were wrong. We were wrong, yes. I know you wanted to make very clear that we are not the type of podcast. We're not Mike Francesa here who would like pick football games and then callers would call him on Monday and be like, you know, you picked the Eagles on Friday, Mike. And he'd be like, no, I didn't. And then like 
One guy literally played the tape back to him once. We are not that type of show. We do admit and will freely admit when we're wrong. We may even have some fun with that later in the season. I'm, I'm thinking of some ideas for maybe some games we could play. Who had the worst take of the month or something like that. But anyway, yes, Dave, we were 100% wrong. I, 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 we were 100% wrong. I just find it funny that we were we recorded the podcast. We said all this stuff. 12 hours later... And six hours after the podcast was published, we were wrong. That's got to be a record. <laughs> uh, I, I've yeah. never been that wrong that quickly before. That was impressive. I, I'm, I'm actually giving – we should give ourselves a pat on the back for that one. Uh, but to what Becky was saying, there's no one person to blame for this. This is everybody's fault. Kraftsoff, very immature. He should have accepted the assignment. And just said, okay, if they told him that we, we, you missed a bit a bunch of preseason, just go down, get a couple of games under your belt. You're going to be the first call when an injury happens. Okay, great. But now we don't know if they actually said that. And we have two really strong cases about the Rangers being bad with communication to their top prospects. You know, Right, Leah Anderson can be written off as a as a one time thing with a bust, and Anderson has been a bust so far. I don't think he's gonna make it in the NHL, which is fine. That happens. That draft was rough, but you can't look at Anderson and Kravtsov and say, "Oh, the Rangers drafted two entitled kids." There's a communication breakdown somewhere. Yes, the kids are probably entitled. Yes, they should have accepted their demotion, the quote-unquote demotions, their reassignments, whatever you want to call them. Anderson had more of a leg to stand on than Kravtsov. Mm-hmm. Mu- yeah, Anderson was... Look at the people that David Quinn dressed over him. One was a defenseman. So... <laughs> love you, Brendan Smith. We love you. <laughs> we lo- I-, I love Brendan Smith, but that was, just, that was one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen. Kravtsov doesn't have a leg to stand on. Just take the assignment. But also Rangers, Chris Drury in particular, who was brought on to fix the issues in Hartford and with prospect development and communication, be better at your job. Absolutely. Well, and he, you know, Jed Ortmeier, and this is one of my issues, and I don't want to go on too big of a tangent here, but, you know, the Rangers have still uh, a bunch of former players in these posi- very important organizational positions, guys who do not have hockey ops experience or any sort of real job experience beforehand. It's Jed Ortmeier, it's Tanner Glass. You know, these are their player development directors, essentially. And, uh, you know, I mean, listen, yes, they're both well educated guys. They went to Ivy League schools, but l- whatever. They went there for hockey. All right. And actually, I don't know where Jed Ortmeier went. I know, I know um, Glass <laughs> went to Dartmouth, but that's besides the point. There are communication issues here, and there's probably a fair bit of the Rangers making promises and then going back on those promises. I think Chris Drury is getting a crash course in how to manage a large, complex organization. It's not an easy thing to do. And you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, he needs to he needs to learn quick because, you know, while while I don't think this is necessarily indicative of some huge problem where there's some weird stuff going on behind the scenes and the Rangers are like, secretly like screwing up all of their prospects for some unknown reason you know it does seem like an organization at times that does not fully have its shit together so 
absolutely there's there's blame to go around all blame there's enough blame to go around on on all sides of this of this issue here um you know look the resolution ultimately is probably going to be a trade i don't know if there's anything that the rangers can do to mend fences apparently there are five teams interested but i mean i think we all know that they're not getting full value out of this in a trade so um we'll keep an eye on it i don't think there's much else uh to say about the Kravtsov situation unless you guys uh have anything you want to add i'll give you three seconds no Pass. all right let's go on to f- let's go on to fan questions then our, our final segment of the show here and then we'll wrap up uh and 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 look at the week ahead so we've got a few here we're gonna we'll do them pretty quickly uh first one comes from a good friend of the pod it's jess at jessica lynn 312 simple question uh i'll give it to you becky what's wrong with panarin i don't know um I'm not super worried, though. I know, like, Rob, your your tagline basically for the last couple of weeks is like, if they're still, if they're bad by Christmas, if this is bad by Christmas or whatever, then I'll be concerned. I feel that way about Panarin. Like, I, he's, he's fine. Um, but he definitely was visibly bad, which is weird. This is, like, unusual. Because yeah. he's just, he's, I know, like, I make fun of the word elite all the time. And then, like, I have Shesterkin just, like, standing on his head being a god tonight and being like, okay, well, she's Starkin's elite. But um, Panarin is truly an elite player. And I really do wonder, like, does he miss Strom? Is he just getting used to the season? Did did Was his preseason different? Was his offseason different? I don't know. I really don't know. But um, right. I, and I know, like, I, like, I'm not saying this sarcastically. I've never played the game. So I truly don't even know what, like, it's like to start the season, how your legs feel or what I, I have no idea, but I'm not worried about him. Totally. Well, and their legs as a team look to- look dead tonight. That was just really, you know, we can talk about systems and miscommunications and, you know, we, we talk about all that yeah. stuff in our very nerdy, you know, BSB uh, group chat. But in the end, a lot of games like that are just due to tired legs. They, they just worked their asses off in Montreal on Saturday night, got a great three to one win that they, that they deserved uh, even though Montreal made a big push and kind of own own play, you know, towards the end of that game, um, Rangers played a really solid game and and won. And I think they were probably tired and they're hurt. So, yeah, we'll see. I I agree. It bears watching with Panarin. We'll see if he gets back to his form. I suspect he will. Um, yeah. But he made but, some yeah. sus decisions. So I will say that, like yeah. with the puck, with puck handling. But then he was getting takeaways. Like he was, you know, creating and and taking the puck away from from Toronto at the end of the game today. So I. I don't know. Did he wake up? Is it? It's. I don't know. But it's four games in, and so I'm not gonna ring the alarm. Totally. Uh, next question comes from uh, Bill to Spill, a well-known Twitter character in uh, in the Rangers Twitterverse. Uh, Dave, I'll give you this one. Do we have a Georgiev problem? He's only played one <laughs> game, but do we have a Georgiev problem? I think it's a good question, but I'm it's gonna a, let you. It's a it. fantastic question. Um, I, I want to say no, because this year aside, one game, he looked really bad. His save percentages under David Quinn, which was 18, 19, 19, 20, and 23 seasons, 914 save percentage, 910 save percentage, 905 save percentage. Yeah, it's trending down. Yeah, he is... There are visible 
issues we see. Again, I think with a better defense and a better system, league average goaltending gets this team into the playoffs. Luckily, they have Shesterkin. They don't have a Georgiev problem. They have a Georgiev contract problem. And that's a cop-out. Even better. That's a cop-out. I am fully aware, and I'm sorry in advance, but that's a, that's a cop-out because now his qualifying offer is $2.4 million, and the Rangers are not going to re-sign him for $2.4 million. They're going to let a competent-ish goalie walk for nothing. And yeah. fine. That's fine. Just as long as we understand that the window to trade him was two off-seasons ago. And we I, obviously didn't have it that rem- It is among the great mysteries in humankind why he was not traded two off-seasons ago. Or <laughs> For two all we know, ago. they didn't have an offer there. I mean, we saw what Bushnevich I know gotten a return. We know that there was no market for him. We know that there was no market for Ryan McDonough. Thus, we got the one Here's the my Wonder question, Twins though. reborn. Why Why do, do NHL GMs swoop in to help out the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders when they have cap crunches because all of a sudden there's a market for their shitty players on big cap hits? The Rangers are in sell mode. They have good players uh, on manageable cap hits or guys who are going to be uh, free agents you know, very good trade bait. And then they don't, or, or a guy like Buchnevich who's still, who is under team control and there's no market for them. I, I don't, I don't listen. I I know there's no good. That just sounds like a fan complaining. Um, but I don't understand why there's no market for these players. I mean, Ryan McDonough, that makes no sense. Pavel Buchnevich. I could be very cynical and say, well, you know, he was, um, GMs might have sort of thought that last year was a fluke and he's a little bit of a weird guy and he's Russian and you never know what these Russians. I hate to put it that way, but a lot and of he just NHL GMs, I think, still think that way. Did he, he just score? He just scored. Him. He just scored. Good for him. Um, but I don't know. I, it's, a, it's, it's, some, it's a topic for another day, I suppose. Uh, next question comes from A Blake 5055 um, What are we hoping for with the third and fourth line? So, Becky, this question was posed to you on Twitter just a couple of hours ago. Yeah. The tone of it was a little bit cynical, I would say, but um, let's kind of take it for what it is. You know, the Rangers obviously reconstructed their bottom six. They're clearly not looking for scoring, I think is fair to say. But so what is the point uh, or what is the purpose and what is the goal of, of their third and fourth lines, you know, as currently constructed, if you want to kind of answer that one? Yeah. So a Blake. Hi, friend. Um, I don't appreciate the tone, but. <laughs> Um, I don't think, quote, I beat you up and hope to not give up goals is really what our third and fourth lines are doing right now. Um, I really like there have been there have been zero fights through four games. And like we expected, fully expected, myself included, the Washington game to open with a complete like a line brawl a la like the Devils when Stu Bickle centered that line. I I, like we we thought that that was what was going to happen. So. I mean, I think, and I was among the people who thought that this would be like a punching and, oh, my God, they made all these really stupid off-season acquisitions because of Tom Wilson and whatever. But, like, I don't know. Ryan Reeves is, like, actually kind of decent. Like, he was basically, his line was, like, a decent four-checking line during the Toronto game tonight. I don't know. I mean, like, Rob, you said that, you said that, Reeves and someone else 
Was it yeah, Rooney? Hunt. Yeah, I mean, they were the the only guys, the only players from the Toronto game, just so everyone knows, that were in the positive in terms of expected goals for, you know, at five on five. So this is even strength, obviously. The three players that were above water, above 50% in the game were Hunt, Reeves, and Adam Fox. All right, so look, Hunt, Hunt, Hunt played eight minutes and 13 seconds. Reeves played nine minutes and 10 seconds. Fox played 1855 at even strength, as you'd expect. Um, and then after that was the advantage at Lafreniere Kreider. The rest of the team was pretty much a, a train wreck uh, in terms of, you know, chances for and against, you know, on the balance of the game. But um, the fourth line has been very good. And actually, you know, they they really only, you know, were forced to break it up due to injury. But, uh, you know, it was Hunt, Rooney, and Reeves, you know, through the first three games. And it was one of their more effective lines. Yeah, they, they did give up a couple of big chances and they were on the ice for the goal against in Montreal. But they've been really good. And, you know, Ryan Reeves, uh, you know, obviously he's known for his personality, which I love, by the way, and I think we all do, um, and the fighting and the trash talking. And, yes, he's thrown a few questionable hits in his career. But the guy can obviously play. He's not completely useless with the puck on his stick. He generally makes the right decision. He knows how to chip the puck into the corner away from the goalie. He can make a decent pass off the boards on a breakout. You know, he gets in on the forecheck. He does exactly what you want a fourth liner to do. Sammy Blaze playing up on the third line. I think ideally he's on your fourth line, but he's a very similar player with a little bit more skill, obviously. I mean, to me, their third and fourth lines are supposed to be driving play, on the forecheck, on the front foot, uh, not necessarily out there to, to beat the crap out of the opponent. Yes, they're going to throw some hits. Yes, MSG is going to highlight the hits because it's kind of an easy, low-hanging fruit thing for them to do on a broadcast. It makes for a fun highlight package that you can cut to some, you know, uh, some some music uh, for a little, you know, uh, comeback from commercial break segment. But, you know, in the end, I think they have actually a very decent bottom six, and they haven't had a good bottom six in a very long time that it used to be that any positive momentum built by the top six uh, was completely gone once their bottom six came on the ice. And whether that was Brett Howden, whether that was a bunch of rookies, whether it was Brendan Smith as a forward, you know, they could not sustain any puck possession or momentum. And now they can. That's my take on the bottom six. Um, I, Dave, I don't know if you have any other th- thoughts to add or if you disagree, maybe, but um, that's what I think. Uh, you summed it up very nicely. I got nothing. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, we got two more, Let's, and we'll be quick with them. So um, this one comes from our blog colleague, Connell McNeilis. I think we said his name right. We're going to have him on the pod at some point. I'll make sure we pronounce his name right. At Coach Connell on Twitter. Um, what's the best of the bad beers? So this is a non-hockey-related question, although you know, um, I'm sure we could find a tie-in somehow. I'm going to limit this to like, it's a, you've got to have one of the, you know, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, you know, mass produced options. That's all that's on the shelf. Uh, Becky, what are you choosing? I got, I got clarification on this. Hold on one second. Hold on. Going through the mentions right now. Um, Uh Yeah. Anything, anything in the realm where it can get a 30 for 25 bucks or less. Okay. I haven't bought a 30 pack of beer since I was like 20 years old, which is a long, long time ago. (laughs) I don't believe you, but go on. (laughs) Let's again. So fine. Let's limit it. You're you're talking the mass produced Miller Coors Bud products. Yeah. Like High Life is not included because it's quote unquote the champagne of beers. It sure is. Uh, I am just going to say I'm going Miller Lite every time. That's my choice. Whenever I'm faced with that choice, I'm going Miller Lite. Dave? 
Listen, I can't say anything other than Keystone Ice at $7 for a 30 rack in Binghamton. <laughs> wow. That was all I drank uh, through undergrad God. and grad as grad school, and it was so good. So good. Just me. Why did I always get so wasted at the hockey house, Dave? And, we always and, had and, Keystone Ice on tap. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that, it. Yeah, yeah. It was like 20 bucks to, for 90 beers. It was fantastic. For like a keg? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ugh, gross. I have Becky, no what's input. Your cheap... I, I have, no, you gotta I, pick one, though. You gotta pick I one. I deeply, I don't like beer. Um, I will have one on occasion, but like I really don't like it. I guess if like I'm looking, I'd just do like a Bud Light. I, I can't. Like Miller makes me want to vomit. Coors is like pee, and I just <laughs> Coors hate it is the worst. No, Coors is the worst. Coors is, like, by far the worst. That's awful. Yeah, um, I guess Bud Light. I do love, actually, a Bud Heavy, like, while watching hockey. And that's totally unironically. Like, that's a good hockey playoff beer for me, especially. So if the Rangers get back into the playoffs, I'll be buying some Bud Heavies, and maybe we'll bring them on as a sponsor of this podcast at some point. <laughs> um, last question. Uh, this one comes from Chris Hawken, at Chris Hawken on Twitter. What is Emily? Yes, Emily, our darling daughter. Becky and uh, Mai's, I don't know how you say that, our pride and joy. Uh, what is her analysis of the 2021 season this, thus far? Becky, do you want to share Emily's thoughts with everybody before we get out of here? Well, I'm going to tweet a photo, um, but I think she'd probably say, ba, 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 and then call it a day. So Sounds keep, good. keep up the good work, Rangies. Yeah, she's happy. And you know what? I think we're happy, too. They're two one and one through four games. They've got two more on this road trip. They're at Nashville on Thursday night. They're uh, in Ottawa on Saturday afternoon. Then they're home on Monday to play Calgary. And Dave, both you and I will be in attendance at that game, actually. So uh, just a little scheduling note for our loyal listeners. And we really appreciate uh, you all tuning into uh, the first couple of episodes this season so far. Um, Next week's show will drop on Wednesday. So we're not going to record Monday. We'll record Tuesday and have a show out on Wednesday. Uh, it'll hit all the usual feeds. Um, Dave, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Patience is a virtue. Love that. Becky? Dave, I'm going to remind you of that. Actually, today, as you have been up since 1.30 in the morning due to your darling daughter. Oh, my God, what a terrorist um, last night. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, Dave, he summed it up perfectly. It's four games in, guys. Enjoy the ride and try not to hate it so much because it's supposed to bring you joy. Oh, it's been fun. I think it's been a really fun four games. I'm a big Gerard Gallant fan, honestly. I love his matter-of-factness post-game. I'm going to finish up this uh, show and go watch his post-game comments because I'm sure he has some interesting things to say after an exhilarating 2-1 win over the Leafs uh, up in Toronto. So, And I'm going to also say I do love my daughter. Sorry. I I know that I was joking since I've been up for quite some time. My daughter is amazing. But, oh, my God, I I really hope she sleeps tonight. She's been asleep for two hours. I hope that she sleeps because I need sleep. Good for her. Just remember, Dave, all regressions come to an end. That they Tell do. that. Oh, that's a good way to transition back to the Rangers. They look like they, you know they're gonna regress <laughs> back to the mean. Yes. And, and regressions do come to an end. That's really well put. All right, guys, that's it. Live from the Blue Seats is a production of Blue Seat Blogs. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. We're currently available on iTunes and Spotify. 
If you can spare a minute, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps other fans find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Seats Live and check out blueseatblogs.com, the longest running fan site for all things Rangers, from news and opinion to video analysis and more. For Dave and Becky, this is Rob signing off and we will see you next week.